Hey there, welcome to the Creative Blog Podcast, a podcast talking about filmmaking, creativity, and everything in between. This is an audio-first and Patreon-first podcast. We'll hear more about the Patreon side of things later on in the podcast. And without further ado, let's welcome today's guest. Hey guys, welcome to the Creative Blog, a podcast all about creativity and everything all around that. So today's guest is Iz. Iz, say hello. Hey, how's it going, everybody? So we're doing this, obviously, with the quarantine in right now. We're recording each other, uh, we're recording ourselves separately. He's using his camera at home and that's how I'm going to stitch things together. But we are talking on Skype, so I will be looking at my laptop just that way. So is before we dive into questions, first of all, how are you doing, man? How, how are things? Things are good, man, and I'm doing good as well. Um, it's just a shame everybody has to be inside when the weather is so nice outside. Imagine all the amazing content we could create, <laughs> but I think it's better to be safe right now. So finding ways mm. to be creative actually, is mm. what, what I'm currently doing. It's key, man, it's key. I actually just saw on Twitter that the quarantine's been extended for th- another three weeks. I did literally just got a notification for the exact same, but you know yeah. what, I wasn't really surprised because <laughs> They did mm. say we're estimating till June. Who knows? Dude, yeah. But I you know what? hope there's sunshine left over. That's all I hope. You, I would think so, man, because this weather we're getting right now, this is like, this is summer weather, and I just can't believe that it's here so early. So I hope we don't get like yeah. early summer weather and then it starts to roll in with rains and everything. And st- oh my God, that'd be the worst case scenario ever. All I need is Tell me June and it, July. Yeah, I'll, I'll, you can have, you can have April and May. Yeah, just give me June and July, and I'll be fine. Yeah. How <laughs> cool. are you doing? Okay, How are so, you doing? Oh, thank you for asking. Yeah, man, I'm all right. I'm just bored and a little stressed out because this is taking a hit on my business. Obviously, um, not being able to go outside is obviously going to affect all the creatives. Um, but you know, just Definitely. keeping busy with other things, as you know, I've been busy with my YouTube channel and all that, trying to make as much as I can, as often as I can. Um, the and then just making a little bit right of money around here. Yeah, for sure. Cool. So the topic of today's podcast is a few little questions, but I wanted to start off the main theme being, and funnily enough, we touched on it on your podcast, which you guys can watch on his channel, which will be linked below is doing work for free. So I think it's such a controversial subject that there's like, there's two sides of the coin and maybe there's three arguments really. Um, So I guess starting off is like, where, what's your opinion on it? Do you think it's something that a creative, either a photographer or a videographer, that a creative should do? Do you think it's a necessity or do you think there's like a way around not having to do free work? That's such a good question and for people starting out, it's the burning question and I'm just going to reiterate some of the points that um, some of my friends in the creative industry said, um, Andrew McLean and Megan Healy, I watched one of their videos the other day and they made some really good points about justifying when is the right time to work for free and when is the right time to, well, when, when when is it not the right time, you know, to work for free? So the way I see it is um, obviously starting out when you're working for yourself, you need to build a portfolio. So naturally, you're probably going to jump into a lot of work that is going to be unpaid. But I think the key difference there is free work and collaboration. I would encourage people to collaborate where you're trying to build a portfolio where you're getting something out of it and so is the other person. So that could be an artist, a musician. It could be a corporate owner. It could be something where you're both mutually agreeing to benefit you both. Um, I think where 
it might be a contentious topic for working free would be when maybe somebody approaches you directly and said, listen, I've seen some of your work or, you know, someone, you know, gave me your details. Uh, would you be able to create this for me? I don't have a budget. I think obviously that is a bit uncharted territories. And, and in that moment, obviously, you need to decide whether that work is either going to benefit you as a collaboration. And if it isn't, then you should get paid because, you know, your your time is worth, you know, your, your money. Um, mm -hmm. And if it doesn't mutually benefit you, then, yeah, definitely you should you should definitely get paid for it. Um, so I think you need to make smart, educated decisions on when is the right time to do work for free um, and when it isn't. But I can understand a lot of the arguments starting out when people are just hustling. Um, what do you think? Oh, I, well, first off, absolutely, man. I agree with a lot of what you just said. Um, I think, so it's funny because I, I see it from both sides because like I've, I've done work for free. I feel like most creators have. Um, I mean, for example, there's this guy I follow on Instagram who uh, does music videos, he's based in Toronto. And he told me his first year of like getting into video production, he did for free, everything for really? free. And he said the reason, yeah, dude, for a, a whole year, which was mad to me. But then he said, but then once I had finished that year, I had this huge portfolio of work to show and from that point on he was like and then i could charge the thousands of i think like the minimum he charges is like a thousand two so canadian okay. dollars so whatever that yeah, is yeah for yeah us. definitely but like i think that that's a smart way of going about it for sure because if doing free work people will almost always say yes <laughs> who's gonna oh, turn yeah, away definitely. a free video right um, definitely so you know that is a smart thing but then i've also heard people say uh, you know, don't ever do things for free because your time, regardless of your skill, is worth something, right? So even if yes. it's like, you know, this yeah. is the argument saying it's better to get very little pay than no pay. Um, personally, I think it makes sense to do free work if you're going to benefit from it. So say like yeah, I agree. you do this for free and that relationship is guaranteed to get you more work or doing that video will Definitely. then create a piece of work you can send to another person and that will get you more work. So those are the situations I would do something for free, but very rarely nowadays will I do something for free. I mean, it, you know, obviously definitely, definitely. it's like if you wanted my help with a YouTube video, I wouldn't charge you, but that's different. If it's client work, I'll rarely do it for free now. Definitely. Um, which, speaking of, have you, have you ever done any free client work? Yeah, definitely. Um, I agree with a lot of points you said there. And starting out, um, when I got my first paid job a year ago, so that was like last April, just before then, I wasn't really doing client work. I wasn't really approached by clients. I was just building my portfolio. And that was basically just a lot of streetwear portraits, really. I wouldn't say it mm. was commissioned pieces. And then um, after that, I started getting approached by actors, musical theater actors, um, models for just portfolio updates. Um, and that was half paid work, I would say, because they approached me and asked me directly for my rates. And at that point, when you get that question, you obviously don't want to lose out on those opportunities. <laughs> so that yeah. was definitely paid work. But when I was in that mo early days of getting requests, I was still so new to it. So 
I didn't really know what I was worth. So when I did get those, you know, um, suggestions for paid work, I'd happily take it. Um, but I was still very, I don't know, uh, not confident in approaching people with confidence in, you know, trying to get paid work. So yeah, in the earlier days, I'd say it was very 50-50. I did a lot of work for paid uh, commissioned streetwear portraits. But then I also tried to reach out to some, let's say, clothing brands and said, so I have a portfolio. I would love to try and give you guys some value. Uh, I'll give you the first shoot for free. And it was mm. a good way just to catch their attention. And they agreed that if they like what they see, they definitely would. And so the first brand I worked with, um, 7X, um, they basically sent me out a whole bag of samples. And they said, we just want to see what you can do with it. And I created some test pieces. I basically got um, just, you know, a friend and just said, let's just uh, have a little bit of fun with these. And I said, so here's what I can do for you. But in the next project, when I do get paid, I'll be able to get a model for you, more styling budget and this and that. And they loved it. And since then, I've been shooting with them for about a year now. And it's probably like one of my favorite clients that I have. Um, Sweet. and from and, yeah definitely love them um, and that basically gave me such a big domino effect into these other brands in Manchester and I've somehow just hopped my way into um, getting paid work because I think that was my first confidence in doing work that was paid and then these other clients reached out mm. and I guess like you mentioned uh, on my podcast I started testing the waters with my rates I didn't really know where to go because the client gave me a fixed budget. So I had no idea about what a fixed budget was, what hourly rates was, what all these other things was. I was just kind of like, oh my God, what shall I do? I'll just, so I had like several different rates for several different clients, which probably is very normal for a lot of people. Mm. But yeah, um, I'd say a year run now, I'm the, very, I'm the same. I rarely do free work anymore. And the free work that I do, they're passion projects. So... I'd say most of my calendar now is filled with client work or it was before this crisis. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I try to take at least two dates in my calendar, maybe even three, to do collaboration projects because I love collaboration. So I will reach out to a stylist. I will reach out to, let's say, a very experienced model and say, I've got a concept and I just want to bring it to life. We're all going to benefit mm. from it. There's no money on the table. It's just us having fun. And yeah like that's kind of like my escape from going too far into corporate where i kind of lose my you know starting point where what drove me into the whole passion of photography which is a lot of art and a lot of business so yeah, yeah i think uh starting out definitely you've got to you've got to play your cards right mm. i think what do you just think? touching back to I'll I'll come to that. I just wanted to touch something really uh, touch on something really quick. What you said when you were um, when you had people reach out to you for like portfolio pieces and stuff. So how much just for the people who are like starting out as photographers, how much were you getting paid from? Like if you, you don't have to give the exact amount, maybe just like a range would be helpful for people just starting out. It would be a good. Uh, I think that'd be interesting for people to be like, okay, so that's what I can expect when I'm at the beginning and I've got a little something. Yeah, to show. definitely, definitely. So. I would say that when I was first starting out, um, for let's say brands that are very newly established and they don't have a huge budget, I think um, I wanted to make sure at least minimum I was getting a hundred 
for a day at least. Mm. I was like, at least yeah, that has to be my baseline, you know. And starting mm. out, that's how I approached um, the first brand I worked with, and I thought at the time it was very reasonable because that didn't encompass me being there for the whole day. I think a shoot mm. would normally just take me two hours or less. So, in contrast to my previous job, which I was a lecturer, I think I was getting paid around eighteen to twenty pounds an hour. So yeah, it was a nice jump. You know what I mean? I had nothing to really、yeah. complain about. I was like, damn, this is pretty good. Like you know, I'm getting all that extra cash, and it's kind of going back into my pocket. But then obviously you got to think about the taxes which come afterwards.、Um, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a nice bump. And then as I got more and more clients. I'd say my earlier clients were in the realms of hundred to maybe slightly below, depending on how long they would hire me out for, and that's probably a reasonable expectation for someone who's very new starting out.、Uh, I think a client、mm. are very, very, you know,、um, I don't know, they they want to make sure their budget isn't,、um, you know, wasted on. A shoot yeah, that might、yeah. go wrong, so they play very safe, which is understandable. But then you need to make sure your time is worth maybe the right amount of that money as well. After that, yeah, though, yeah, yeah. After that,、uh, clients started hiring me out for a lot longer because they wanted not just photo, but then also video, but then also studio shoots, and that gave me more value to rack up the prices. So then I was getting, you know, hundreds of pounds worth of money. So it was a lot more, and then that's that took me about, I'd say. Nine months to get there, from the first day、mm. of my first paid job to like getting to the you know after nine months of building a solid portfolio, that's where that's I was. That's a pretty、at. solid timeline. That's good, I, man. That's really solid. I it, I I, th- I still think it was very long in my in my in my timeline though, because <laughs> obviously in Manchester I'm looking at lots of other creatives, and I'm just like oh maybe I'm not there yet maybe I'm too slow but I think I was exactly where I needed to be. Because I was、mm. still learning on the go how to edit, how to film, and I'm still doing that.、Um, but obviously, like you said, you know, clients just want to find one person who can do it all, and it just saves them a lot of time and effort. So I、yeah. was just like trying to find more value. You know, I was like, if I'm going to raise my money and my、um, rates, I need to find value. So I was like editing. I had to learn how to do studio, which I was so scared of. I was like, I cannot do studio, and now I can do it so easily. It's mad. Uh, I mean, like studio photography.、Um, so yeah, definitely.、Um, and now it's like you know, working with big, big, big brands. It, it's I still get like this nervousness when I'm negotiating price because I'm like, is that too high? But to them, it's just like pocket change, and I'm like, oh my god, like have I sometimes undersell myself? Like I really do go back and think about、yeah. it sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, damn, I probably yeah, could have, you know, I probably could have, you know. Built up a bit more of a negotiation, and maybe I just didn't realize it. So, yeah, I think it's a journey, isn't it? Working for free to finding your worth is a huge journey. Yeah, man, that's that's hella interesting. That's a really interesting story. It's funny, dude. It's mad. Just really quick, hearing ambulances also from your end. Yeah, and, like, they are. My, yeah, there's like a street near my place, and just constant ambulances going by, dude. Right now, it's crazy. Yeah,、this、I actually wanted to、there. go back. So you said you were a lecturer before this. I should have asked at the beginning. 
but what did you do before oh photography, dude? Um, before photography, <laughs> big part of your I, life I skipped. I was a lecturer for seven years, and I was teaching creative art subjects. So anything that we do as creative professionals, from editing to graphic design to TV and film and animation, I was teaching it. But at you know vocational levels, so we're talking A levels, GCSE, and at the highest level I taught it at was undergraduate university so people who are in the first year just starting mm. um so nothing crazy like i'm not teaching them insane insane amounts of like technical abilities but when i did go back and think about it i think i did go above and beyond because i was trying to teach them everything to do with you know premiere pro everything to do with after effects everything illustrator i've got a lot of That's good, experience man. in like you know in design and publishing like i've it all paid off because all the jobs I get commissioned for now, I use every single inch of my lecturing abilities that have taught me like all these creative subjects. Um, you know, like I never thought I'd be creating a lookbook in InDesign for one of my clients. You know, a whole campaign I did from the photography to the video to the fashion editorial lookbook that we gave to the ASOS directors. Like we gave them the whole thing and I was like, if I didn't know about that, you know, <laughs> that's mm. money on the table mad, that man. you're leaving yeah i think so. that actually leads into a, another great question and funnily enough something it's similar to something you asked me on your podcast but i guess yeah. i think i think the answer is obvious but obviously i want your take on it would you say as a photographer or as a creative it's important to have multiple skills so you're not just a photographer you're also um you know good within design you're good definitely with video. yeah um yeah i know exactly what you're saying um i think it's in this day and age you've got access to youtube skillshare all these sites if you have the time like if you genuinely have the time it, <laughs> Which wouldn't, we do it wouldn't right hurt <laughs> yeah exactly it would yeah. not hurt to you know learn a few extra skills because like i said once you build that ownership and trust with a client, you can then start to give them a bit more um, negotiation and say, hey, I can also do this. You know, you don't need to go mm. to that other graphic designer that might charge you absurd rates because they're such a professional. You know, maybe I can do this one job for you and keep everything that you need. And I can also, you know, be flexible with rates. And it's like, you're only adding more value mm. to yourself. So that's why I don't call myself, I mean, I call myself a photographer by by definition but i'd say uh, we are like we all are we're creatives at the end of the day aren't we that's what we label ourselves as creatives yeah. and i think under the creative yeah. umbrella the more you have the more you're desirable that's that's yeah, just basic sure. facts isn't it like you can do editing you can do film you can do animation you can do like the tech the the technical gears and all the stuff you have like delicious goes on like you know imagine that on a cv it's just crazy isn't it if i just have photographers it is like you know that's what got me into learning about studio photography because i had all these wasted potentials all these clients that would ask me for a fashion urban shoot outdoor and on the same day that they've traveled from another city they'd be like right we need to go to a studio can you do that and i'd be like uh no <laughs> i'm like well i'm wasting <laughs> i'm wasting that opportunity and then after mm. like a few months i shadowed um a few people and i was like oh my god this isn't actually that hard you know yeah see and it's funny i was gonna say how doing when people are like can you do this i almost always unless it's something i know i'm not good at i will almost always say yes and then mm. just learn how to do it the day before it's mad <laughs> because you're so right you can just go online and learn how to do it it's not difficult I'd, 
I don't want to be that guy who who says he lives by the term "fake it till you make it," but sometimes it is like you know you got to give yourself that opportunity to at least try. You yeah, know what I mean, take yeah. take it definitely. If it's not something that's going to be like a wedding, like if it's a wedding, and I'd be like, oh my god, you know, I definitely wouldn't risk it. But like, say, you know, if a fashion brand's asking me to, you know, also do studio, and I did say, and I did turn down one brand. I said, listen. I was just straight up like, uh, yeah, I'll happily do your uh, fashion shoot. And they came all the way from like Nottingham. Um, I was going to another place, like traveled so far early in, in, in the day. And then they had a whole day's shoot. And this, I said, I can recommend you another studio photographer. I'm not very confident. Like imagine me telling a client, like, I'm not very confident in studio. And they still <laughs> said, no, we just want to shoot with you. We want everything to be from your uh, artistic, you know, point of view. And yeah, I was like, they want I, your style. Yeah, so it's like, it, it, that that really encouraged me to just then, you know, I paid some money to hire a studio out the day before. And I just learned on that day. I was like, okay, three-point lighting set up. I need a main light. I need a fill light. I need a backlight. I need all this stuff. And it was easy. I was like, I don't know what I was so scared about. <laughs> I was like, that's the thing. That's I think that's also partially why I jumped into weddings as well. Again, something I mentioned on Izzy's podcast. Mm-hmm. And I think, I guess maybe it's the same for you as I was, I was thinking like, you know, everyone is so scared of like the stress because if you miss that key shot or those multiple key shots, mm. then, oh my God, the video is ruined. But if you think about it, like for one, weddings are an event, right? For event type videos, you should basically almost always just be recording anyway and just absolutely. capturing as much as you can. Yeah, absolutely. So if you just take that aspect of like videography that style of videography and just apply it to weddings it becomes a lot less scary i think the only yeah. then stressful part of it is like you know things only happen once um which sometimes in events you know it will happen multiple times yeah, and then the other side yeah. of the thing is maybe the couple will be calling you 24 7 like have you done it yet can people, you change this where's this will blah, help blah, blah. you like if i think with like speaking to sophia on my podcast uh, she definitely said that you know social your social awareness at the time when you're at the wedding is a lot higher and people will instruct you so that pressure that we always talk about you know maybe it, i don't think it is as bad when you're in the place because you'll get an itinerary for the day you'll get a schedule for the day if you prep really mm. well definitely i don't think you'll ever miss the show the only thing i always get scared of is technology failing on me so i try and make sure yeah. i've got like as much sd cards as much batteries as much this and much that and i'm just very like paranoid in that sense um mm. so you know like i've got four five batteries now for my sony i've got a dummy battery just in case i've got all these backups of backups of backups of you know uh things just to prevent failures from happening um but yeah i do definitely want to jump more into wedding uh because when i did do my recent event which wasn't a wedding it was called a mock wedding which is which means like a fake wedding because it was like uh, mm. it was a it was a prom for the Asian Society of University of Manchester students. So like how we have a prom, like uh, uh, let's say in like the West, it's just like, you know, it, it would look like a ball, a right? A dance. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. it was just like the Indian version of that. That's all it was. But they mocked it up as a <laughs> wedding. So I thought this would be a great opportunity mm. for me. It was paid work, definitely. But they were, I was like, I thought I'd take this as an opportunity to build a quick portfolio for weddings. And as soon as I did that, I got a request straight after for a wedding. Um, and it was like a two day event. And that meant like I could charge for two days. I'm like, damn, you know, like, you know, um, Asian weddings have got like three different days, man. And I'm like, you know, they've got a pre-event, they got this, they got that. You're gonna, you, you, not only are you gonna be like sorted 
for money, but you know the food, the hospitality, all the services, and you know it, it'll be. It'll, it, I think it's just a great, great avenue to just try something new, and even if it like makes you nervous, just try it. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, like I told you on my podcast, for me, it's a. It, in a way it's a two-day event but they're in separate months so i i kind of like that because it does mean yeah, yeah i have a month's break in between you need <laughs> i'll to just edit. sleep for a month but you need to edit as yeah, well. yeah exactly so could, i can edit could... the first one and carry on from there remember, um, like, but yeah man long, they're long stuff to edit as well <laughs> like keep you busy i think i got pretty fortunate with my couple because they actually listed out what exactly they want captured now obviously i'll capture more than what they've asked mm. because you need like filler shots and stuff like that yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but it was like a list of four or five things and i was like okay great and then they told me how long exactly they'll need me for exactly uh, so thankfully it's not one of those situations where i'll be there for like 12 to 15 hours and i'll need to capture everything and no yeah but i'm sure that will no. come <laughs> you, honestly time. um so you get all your footage and then you're just like i've got so much i don't even know what i need and you end up not using most of it because all the main shots yeah. the main attractions then then you just you know i think i think video being like a videographer taught me a lot about finding which bits are definitely key to filming because i just thought i'm wasting my memory card space there for no reason <laughs> like, yeah it's it's a fine art learning like it's like finding that line between like filming more than you need to the point that it's a waste and also making sure you film enough that you have enough you know because you don't want to like not capture something and then like you don't have enough clips for the video definitely um but anyway let's let's come back to the subject at hand uh, coming back to the whole free work aspect of things mm. um just because i know this is something that a lot of people will just have on their minds because i i know people get approached all the time like hey like i want this can you do it and then people will expect yeah. it for free and there's the whole i'm sure this happened to you well i wonder if this has happened to you but like people will ask you to do something for free and then they'll just ghost you once you've done the job when you were expecting yeah. to like do the next job and get paid yeah. and that happens to so many people so i was so the question i had for you is how would you recommend getting out of doing things for free or for exposure uh that's a good one that exposure unfortunately exposure never pays the bills and that's what i always say to people <laughs> it just doesn't um so if you're someone nah. who does photography or videography as a vocation so like you're paying bills from it you're sustaining yourself from it like you can either be like a semi-professional where half your income is based on your creative career or your professional where all your income is based on your professional career at that point you've got to be resilient and be like, listen, you know, I pay bills from what I do, so I can't afford mm. to just do things for free. But if you're under the benefit of like saying, you know, you don't have to pay rent, maybe you live with your parents, maybe you have the luxury of having, you know, a lot of savings, a lot of income, maybe then you might pick certain opportunities that might be good for exposure. And these come every now and then. Because if everybody's going to offer you exposure, then you must be friggin' talented because all these people are coming at you like, you know, <laughs> what, what, you know. But that's just what the people, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a way, it's the game, isn't it? We're all playing the game and yeah. everyone's very smart. And I understand that for, for artists and creatives, we all have to learn that li lingo and, you know, play the game. So I I never really get offended when someone says to me, uh, you know, we'll do it for exposure. What I look for is who is the person, what can they offer me on a mutual benefit? And, you know, 
if I can definitely gain something out of it. And if I do, I'll happily do it. Um, also, my time on the calendar. Is it available even in the first place? Um, yeah. Is it going to jeopardize other jobs? Do I want to take the stress of it and this and that? So that's my first first thought of mine. My second one is, say if you're a complete beginner and you've got all the time in the world, um, you've got parents to rely on, you're fine for your income, might be a good time for you to experiment and see what works and what doesn't. And in that moment when you're starting out, I think it is really important for you to take on as much work as you can to see what you like, what you don't like, what you can do, what you can't do. What kind of people can you work with? What kind of people can't you work with? Because you need, sometimes you need that conflict to to kind of remind you like, okay, these are the people that I'm never going to work with again, or these types of people mm. who take advantage of me. Um, and, you know, and these are the people who are genuinely good. Like they're offering me such a good platform. They're genuinely giving you a lot of exposure. They're tagging you in your pictures. They're reinforcing as many, many posts about, I love those kinds of people, you know, like who really, really go sure. to town. Because there are some people who don't even credit you and I'm just like, what the hell? <laughs> What's going on there? It's like, not even hard to do. That's such the a thing. Small like there's no action, excuse for not doing that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, tag, tag your creatives, man. Like it's just, uh, and I don't know what it is. It's like such a egotistical idea where sometimes I've I've seen on posts where you know the you know where then I see an amazing posts and I'm like okay the person's clearly an influencer but they obviously haven't taken the picture because they are in the picture so I want to know who's yeah. taken the picture and I'm like I can't find it like who is it so I don't understand w- what the whole you know drawback to that is but going back to your question about like exposure getting out of it yeah getting out of it. Um, the best way would be to just find your worth and build a good argument because you don't want to necessarily lose the person. They're just testing Mm. you first and you need to do the same. You need to be able to give them back a value to then invest. It's like you said, you know, uh, on my podcast, you know, you got to talk the lingo and sometimes people don't know the lingo and you just need to be able to discuss with that person. Listen, I understand your offer very kind i love the idea of exposure but i'm willing to give you all of this and more and for x amount of price what do you think and you negotiate 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 and at some point you know let's say out of 10 10 people you get one client for a novice that's like a breakthrough isn't it yeah for sure absolutely so definitely you know start off by giving them your worth and they'll respect you more as well in the future yeah, I mean, like, so what Iz was referencing to to what I said on his podcast was, like, if you can basically make the client understand the value of what you're giving them, then they'll be more willing to give you the money that you're asking for. So if you're saying, like, I can give you, like, five social videos, one main campaign video for your website, I can put subtitles on all the videos as well, so you can use them for advertising, mm-hmm. and then maybe you could do photography on top of that, do some motion graphics, like... That's a lot. That That's is so, so much. much value. Easily yeah. a grand, maybe two grand's worth of work. And like when you also then tell them like they, all of that will then translate into sales and you explain why it will translate into sales. Then the person like then you're speaking their language because the business owner just wants to make profit. That's their main concern. And if you can basically come to the conclusion of me doing this work and charging this much will give you this much profit they'll be more likely to be like, yeah, okay. Like if you can prove it, that it will happen or it will probably happen, then they'll be more inclined to be paying the price that you want to pay, which is 
yeah, it's powerful to learn basically the lingo, the right things to yeah. say, like business speak. That's、basically. the best way to get out of it. Because I think if you, the, if you just straight up and if you say, well, no, then you're at a dead end. You've not found a solution. Yeah. You and <laughs> and all you're doing is then going to the next person who may also say the same thing, and then you still haven't found a solution. So the the closest way you'll find a solution is to negotiate, and that's to learn the language, and that's something I'm still learning because every client is、mm. different. Every client has different thresholds and tolerance. And sometimes you might even completely end up, you know, sacrificing that client because you might have pushed them too far. And it's all trial and error,、yeah. but you learn. And the beauty of it is the art of, you know, finding your feet and how you mature with your conversations, and learning when is the right time to be able to do the work for exposure and really sell yourself so you can get the money. That's something that everyone has to find for themselves. I think. Yeah, it's a journey for sure. It's an annoying one, but everybody's got to do it. Yeah, if、point. we if we all had、right. a manual to go into the creative <laughs> industry, we would. Like, it would be like, okay, so you start off like this, and when you get to Z, you'll have a hundred k in your bank account a year. Yeah, if only it was、sorted. that easy. But, it is, but then、not. everybody would be successful. So you know. Yeah.、Um, So before you mentioned some great clients you've had and like what a good client relationship is,、mm. so could you tell me about some of the best client relationships you've ever had during your career? Yeah, I mean I say career, but I'm very short into it at the moment. So so I'll say so far. Yeah, you've so, had good clients. You yeah, don't have to name them if you don't want to. Yeah, yeah, for sure, to, for sure. Um, I'd say in the in the two years, two and a half years worth of photography and video photography and videography that I've done, I've only started like I said a year ago. Getting、uh, started to get commissions and from the clients, you know, all of my clients, honestly, all of the ones that I have business-related relationships with, are just amazing. Like I've never really had any negative relationships with the clients.、Um, at the very least, sometimes there's, I wouldn't say it, like there's issues with communications, but sometimes I'm maybe waiting on an email too long. Um, yeah. Because the season period might be very busy,、uh, or maybe I just haven't connected through the right channels, and that's a big mistake that I've made when I'm trying to send my invoice. I've sometimes sent it to the wrong department, and I'm just waiting here, like, hmm, why haven't I got it? And then I ask the person, <laughs> I'm like, oh, so I'm supposed to email it to accounts team, and then you start to realize that you know. Each client has an accounting branch, a marketing branch, a sales branch,、mm. and all this. And I'm like, oh my god, I actually had no idea. I just thought, you know, I had to be in touch with one person. So part of the journey has been learning not just to have one person being connected, but also, you know, I've got the creative person that I'm in touch with, and I've got the business person that I have to have a relationship with, and I need to be able to negotiate with both of them because with the creative person I decide the concept, and the business person I decide the prices. Yeah. And it's like each different brand that I have, there's always two people I have to keep a relationship with, and that's something that I've learned a lot. But yeah, for the majority part of them, all of them have been fantastic.、Um, favorite ones in terms, I say I don't really have a favorite. I just say I really appreciate when I when they go above and beyond in terms of how fast they pay me because I'm just sometimes I'm just like oh my god、mm. I have not even finished the work yet and you've already put it in like. <laughs>、um, I love those clients. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, are you sure? Like, I honestly like, and and that's how I prefer because it help, makes me work faster. Like, I would rather get paid at the end of the project,、mm. but obviously sometimes you're just like, hmm, it's cutting it close. You know, payment season's coming up. I gotta do this, gotta do that. 
Um, yeah, I love yeah, clients exactly. who go above and beyond in hospitality. I've got a few clients who just go above and beyond in that. And oh my God, they just treat me like a king in terms of like paying all of my um, traveling expenses, food expenses, receipts, everything. I've, uh, I, I have, I've, got, I've got clients who do all of that. And I was going to have a client this year. Well, we're still, we're, I do still have the client. We're just kind of waiting for this pandemic to go over. But I was going to yeah. be flown out to Spain to go shoot in a villa. Um, Do you need in... a second shooter? <laughs> oh, bro, I don't think any of us are going anymore because Spain. Have you seen what's going on? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that was going to happen in May. And um, basically, you know, they, they, were, they said it's either going to be a one or two day thing and they'll cover all the travel expenses, all the hotels, all the food. And I just could decide my rates. And I'm like, oh, my God what <laughs> what you know what just really quickly touching on that when a client is paying all of that for you so they're taking you to another country mm-hmm. and a nice one of that and they're paying for all the expenses yeah does that ever influence your pricing like does it ever make you think hmm, maybe i should charge less than what i actually want to charge because mm. they're doing so much mm. for me or do you just hold yeah. strong well, and be is... like I, i'm just going to charge what i would charge if this yeah. were in england well, this is what I had to think about because the the client that I'm talking about, we had a fixed budget all the time on every single shoot. Um, yeah. So I was happy with that. And that was kind of like one of my retainers per month. I was happy with it. You know, I was like, oh, I, I'm always looking forward to these little retainer jobs that I've got and with a fixed budget because mm. I know what I'm, I definitely know what I'm getting at each month. You know what I mean? At least. Um, yeah. But they wanted to have a seasonal campaign where we shoot abroad. So I was like, does that mean I have to change like my rates so i'm thinking you know i asked them how long is the shoot going to be roughly and they were like maybe like five to six hours like you're talking like a day's shoot you know so yeah. i'm like okay so it's like a two-day shoot so this is going to be very different from the fixed budgets that's why she's like she was asking me you know what would you charge so i charged a bit extra probably like doubled maybe even a little bit more um i went like 2.5 x on what i would normally get from them and i only did that because i was like right i'm shooting for longer hours but then I always, I also have to edit for longer, uh, and there's mm. probably going to be a lot more variety in like what I'll have to edit in terms of lots of social videos, lots of photography because I'm doing both. I'm doing photography and the videography. Yeah, um, and like multiple locations as well. I bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they only they only wanted photography first, but I said I will do video for you as well. So you know, mm. I bumped it up a bit more because I thought it, it, it's seamless for me to transition from photo and video. Now I can do it very very easily now. Um, and they were just happy. They're like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. So, um, yeah, if anything, I didn't hold myself back because I've been in this a little longer. I'm not as, I wouldn't say, I'm a bit more confident in putting my chest up and saying, you know, can I have a bit more now? Mm. And they were very um, confident in what I was offering because of the relationship that I've had with them. And I think that's what you mentioned. The relationship the outcomes once you build that trust they'll be happy to bump it up depending on what you're getting yeah Yeah, exactly i it's that's why like uh back on his podcast i was saying how like it's just such a key thing to like build up an actual relationship with the person and not just think of the client as a client think of them as you know there's a there's a person who built the Mm. business who start started it from the ground up and if you can make them your friend or your acquaintance or even your best friend then you know they're always going to be like this guy is legit or this girl is legit Mm -hmm. i'm going to use them 
they yeah. can have what they're asking for money wise because I know they're going to deliver. Oh, did they just ask for more? That's fine. I know they're good for it. And you know that that's it takes time to build up those relationships yeah, for sure. But it does, it's always honestly. worth keeping clients who you have a good feeling about. So like in my case, I've got a good feeling about Ohio Tea. Yeah, that's uh, so uh, the owner. <laughs> yeah, he's always been good to me and he pays me on time. I basically I just ask him like, oh, will you be sending the payment soon? He's like, yep, I'm going to do it tonight or I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm like, cool. And then I receive it when he said he was going to send it. Yeah, I love that little notification Literally. that comes up on my bank app. It's like, hey, man, receive. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, yes. Yeah, when Starlink's like, you've received X amount. Yes. I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes. Best feeling ever. But honestly, like I understand you completely. Um, I think I so, think finding the balance that's what it's all about yeah so it's interesting how you instead of you thinking maybe I should lower the rate because they're taking me somewhere they're taking me abroad and paying for everything mm -hmm. you're actually like well they're actually asking more of me like for, like basically you put the Spain thing aside and you're like what are they asking of me work wise yeah, they're asking yeah, yeah. for six hours so you doubled and a bit the rate yeah that's yeah, actually yeah, a very yeah. interesting point and something that see because i've never actually been taken abroad for mm -hmm. um shoots yet yeah yeah clients you know yeah. hey hit me up, hit me, hit me up, hit me up. <laughs> um i have actually i've got a friend who'll be getting married hopefully in like 2022 and she's getting married in italy amazing. and she's already said that she's gonna get me to film it and they pay me and like pay for me to fly across amazing. that's exciting but that's that far away amazing <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude um but yeah, because of that, I was thinking maybe I should charge like half of what I would actually ask for. But I think mm -hmm. I'm going to take what you've just said and roll with that and just focus on what are they actually asking of me? Like, forget the travel thing. If they're willing to pay it, they're willing to pay it. But work-wise, what are they asking of? Because they could, you know, they could be cheeky and think, oh, we're paying for all this or probably lower the rate. Or just Let's because ask you're friends. for more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to be careful with that as well. It's actually... Um, part of like w working with friends i think can be kind of tricky not messy but it can become messy i've actually lost a friend level of because of that yeah i think like um, i don't know how, how you work but for me it's like when i'm hanging out with friends i'm hanging out with friends having a yes, laugh and yeah. just whatever right but when it comes to working even if you're my best friend i'm working and that's what i'm focused on like yeah, if you I'm say something same. funny i'll laugh sure but i'm so like focus like tunnel vision on the goal of the shoot or the current shot we're trying to get that maybe i'll come across as a bit of a dick but it's just because i'm focused on finishing the work that is important and needs to be done so like are you the same way or yeah are you I, I, I am actually and, and uh my i'm not done work for many friends but my one of my friends i shot a birthday event on a yacht last year and uh yeah so it was weird because i felt like i had to always be on point and if i was slacking off i was feeling guilty and they were very encouraging me to just like hey relax just have some drinks have some food it's just i'm like this is a birthday event i'm filming i want to make sure i capture every moment and uh yeah i'm mm. the exact same as you i'm just working 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 was that paid yeah yeah it was yeah yeah so uh it was and you know like if anything you know what they offered me was very reasonable i was like oh that's very in line with what i would uh, ex be expected to get so um mm. you know it was a very good friend i wasn't trying to take advantage of the situation for like discounts but depends on like i said I, it's not like i wouldn't be willing to give discounts it depends on the project depends if i can benefit from yeah. it depends on what's going on 
Mm, for sure like um like i mentioned on your podcast the music video i did for martha mm. love fumes link in yeah. the description um she actually was impressed with how like I, like i was direct like that was where i think my directing went to a new level because that's always been something i felt was very weak for me yeah uh, so since moving to manchester i've been working on it really really hard and so good. for that music video shoot the the club scene in that video there were about 12-ish people or something um and i had to just basically scream and be like because oh, you know there's a lot of people and everybody was talking i was like right guys we're going on to the next shop uh, i need you all to do this blah blah blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> just like a blowhorn thing Hello. Uh, but martha was like nah i was genuinely impressed with how you commanded the room and i was like you know that's actually nice of you to say because i didn't want her to think oh he's being a dick but for for those situations like where i have to be very authoritative yes i also make sure to balance it out with having a little bit of a laugh with the crew and just making sure everybody in general is pretty happy so you know when it comes to i think that's how i take the approach with clients in general definitely, not just when they're a definitely. friend you have to but yeah, um, i would say to. yeah absolutely i would say that like you have to make sure the client whether it's a friend or not knows where you stand on certain things yeah. and like that you both have the full picture of what the shoot is going to accomplish and what you're going to do for them and vice versa. Um, otherwise, like that's where things could fall apart. So I, I would say at my least, I would say at least make sure if you are doing for a friend, hit your baseline minimum for the day, at least make sure you're yeah. getting, because you need to make sure you're at least surviving. And <laughs> that's your basic essentials need to be covered first. Uh, and that's, oh, my, that's what my go-to is like, just make sure that if those are covered, then the rest you can negotiate on top afterwards. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's great. Um, so next question I had for you was uh, going back to relationships, actually, it's going back mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, how did you, so this is more geared to, again, someone who's starting out, because uh, I'm always looking out to help people who are at the beginning of their journey. How did you go about creating these relationships that you have? And what tips would you give to someone listening who's just starting out trying mm -hmm. to create these type of great client relationships? Yeah, that's a great one. And at first, when I was doing my photography and fashion photography, it was very much self-indulgent. I was just doing it because I wanted to get as much content on Instagram so it looks like I've got a good portfolio and that was my main goal. And when I started to get some attraction, like, you know, um, from people that might have been like clients um, who DM'd me saying, really like your work, would like to test with you first. So I was like, hmm, so clearly there is some intention of working there. Once I did those tests and once I got the first client, I then thought I have a bit more confidence in trying to reach out to clients. So what I did was I spent a lot of effort in trying to research regional brands because that's what you would naturally do in your regional area. You'd want to try and find the regional brands first, right? Or regional clients yeah. could be anything. In my case, because I'm doing fashion, I try and find the brands, the clients and all that. Um, so I tried finding brands and I'd, you know, be going on to as many hashtags, as many Google searches, as many search engines as I could to type in Manchester this, Manchester that, Manchester this. And I'd find websites, I'd find contact information. I would send so many emails and DMs. Oh my goodness, I still probably have them all in like my backlog somewhere. <laughs> you would not believe it. And from there, maybe I'd get one or two hitting me back saying, oh, thanks for getting in touch. We'll let you know. <laughs> but then maybe one will be like, <laughs> but, but maybe one will be like, okay, cool. Uh, let's test. You know, that's what the initial stage was like. It was very much, I had to prove myself. I was like, oh my God, this is like a mm. 
just such a jarring experience because I'm like, is my page not enough yet? So I was like, great, I need to work more on getting my profile up. So I was doing a lot of passion projects still, I was doing a lot of free work and collaboration still. And once that started building up, I think the clients started to respect what I could give them. I was just saying to them, look what I've got, here's what I can give you. And my tone of language changed to, would you like some photographs to, I am a photographer, here's what I can give you. I see that your page is this right now, I can make it to this right now. And that's when I started learning the language a lot more. And that's what kind of got them into messaging back. Because that's all I cared about. I was like, well, if I can get a conversation, then I can have more room to try and at least sell myself. Because at the first point, I wasn't even getting a conversation. So once Mm. the conversation started happening, I was like, okay, let's not talk about money. Let me just test with you. Let me test with you. Let me test with you. And once I did that, they were happy to, you know, pay me after that. And after that, all the clients who message me now, they all say now, pretty much what's your rates we're interested so uh, it is it because i think just growing the profile as well on my instagram naturally the first thing they can see now is that i've got a good blend of passion projects and brand work on there so they're obviously doing their bit of research on me as well and saying okay he is who he says he is he's not someone who's like you know just trying to just uh chase the bag you know he genuinely appreciates the craft of this niche right yeah um so yeah like it's been a gradual process and it never happens overnight and i still think back to my day one of my first brand shoot and i'm like my god like you know i've come a long way in terms of taking a better picture than what i did back then and finding what my worth is now so Mm. that's what it is honestly um and also i would say recommendations so when i work with brands it's all you know other brands that might follow these brands have noticed and they've hit me up but i've had some instances where (laughs) i've worked with clients and they're like listen you can't work with that brand because they're in our conflict of interest like genuinely um (laughs) yeah and that's still on my you know terms of agreements like i can't work with certain brands um because it's actually in the contract they give you it's not in an official contract, but it's just like, it's, we just want to let you know, wink, wink, yeah, if you do anything <laughs> with this brand, you know. But obviously, oh, it's, okay, all, it's, okay, all in, yeah. it's all in jest, it's all in this, but no, no, but there is, there is, you know, there are some clients that I don't, uh, that I can't work with because of direct conflict, which was really interesting because I was like, oh, I'm so new to this, I don't even know. Because I thought I could just be like a free spirit, I'm walking around, I'm doing this, but then I started realizing because I'm working with so many regional brands in Manchester, they, you know, they want to be competitive, but if they're using me to be competitive with each other, it's like an endless battle between like the same yeah, person. Yeah, they literally just all be getting like this. Well, obviously you'd get better, but it'd be getting the same quality, the yeah, same yeah, style. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, then they'd just be like, wait a second. <laughs> what's going on here? But thankfully, there's so many, so many people in Manchester now. Like I was I was debating this with Sophia on our podcast where they're saying there's so many fashion brands now. There's, there's so much room for everybody to have, you know, yeah. um, a piece of the cake like believe me there is it's just finding it is sometimes difficult um so yeah the best thing you can do is use instagram it's an amazing platform for it's for my niche anyway for fashion but also i'd say for a lot of businesses like i look at barbershops look at fitness pages i look at corporate everyone has an instagram now and that's a great way mm. to get in touch obviously if you can meet them in person it's even better um yeah. going into shops that has been kind of one of my things that I've not done much, but it definitely has worked where I was in a restaurant and I was just chatting with my friends 
and the owner was there and I was just like, oh yeah, so I'm a videographer, I'm a photographer, if you need stuff, hit me up and I just showed him a painting like, oh yeah, why not? Um, and that just like informal kind of chatting was a really good way. I've sent some mm. emails out to modeling agencies where I've said, listen, I've worked with a lot of people, a lot of brands like this. I can give you guys some stuff. If you need stuff, hit me up. And they were like, oh my God, that's a great offer. Yes, we'll be in touch. So it's emails, social media, and face-to-face. -face, definitely all great. I'm not sure about any other alternative. I think you'll probably have better ideas of alternative platforms. Uh, to be honest, that's pretty much what I would say as well. Like, unfortunately, emails, it's kind of like cold calling. It's like <laughs> cold emails, but yeah. it is still uh, a way to get in because some, amazingly, some companies don't have an Instagram. Uh, so, you know, you have to email them or, you know, if you're trying to be a bit more direct or even if it's a large company who has a lot of followers, you know, it's very likely you'd get um, flushed not what's the right word like put your message would get pushed down yeah. with everybody else's um, so you know it could be a tactical move to use email but yeah Instagram for sure is like I think like the number one way almost now it is so uh, but much then if you promotion can, on there absolutely and if you can take that one step further and then get a physical meeting like you said it's just you know you're basically secure the relationship yeah definitely absolutely That's, absolutely just got you just gotta yeah and that kind of brings me back to like a point about personality you know you gotta if you if you're very shy and, and communication is not your thing you've it's one of the traits you've got to learn on the go get, oh yeah like you'll get better with it in time but you know, I mean, some people are lucky and like I, so my business partner now for my business, he has zero creative bones in his body, mm. but what he's excellent at is securing clients and like just getting the deal basically. That's the and that's what way. I brought him in for. Unfortunate timing <laughs> with what's happening right now. But you know, it's like uh, now I'm not even that worried about the future for us because he's already done a great job. He's like, when this is over, I've got a batch of Indian weddings uh, that are lined up for us. And I'm just that's like, that's amazing. just perfect. Because he's actually half Indian as well. So that's, literally Honestly, <laughs> like, it, it helps having somebody on board like that. And that's part of what you were saying, you know, as as a sole creative, you'll probably find yourself going into like little teams, little projects, little partners. And, you yeah. know, it's a great way to just grow and expand yourself. Oh, yeah. I think to be a truly successful creative entrepreneur you need to understand you actually can't do everything on your own no that's so true because once yeah. you like once you start to delegate jobs it means like let's say i hired an editor right it, for my company i now never have to worry about editing i can focus on going out and shooting more which means in turn more money and more mm. clients if i hire like a team of two to three people to help out on the shoot it means the shoots will be more efficient and they'll go by quicker and or they'll just be a lot more higher quality um, and it means the client will either get their results faster or they'll get something that's so high quality that they'll be happy to be paying more for it um, obviously being a one-man band it's it's appealing to most people i think because you can this is very off topic for what the podcast yeah. is about but i think it's interesting um it's appealing because it's like it's that that mentality of like everything in this project i did it like I'm so proud that I did yeah, it. Yeah. And once it's it's nice to say, but once you can let go of that egotism, e egoistic, what's the word? Whatever, that bit of ego. Yeah. 
then you could be like, you know, my team yeah, made and this, this, and it's and just incredible. I think that kind of humility should be rewarded because you're yeah. getting so much more in turn, and that's why I just have no shame in crediting people when they need to be, like works and projects that I've done with stylists and makeup artists and all these other people. It's like the work is not mine, it's ours, you know what I mean? yeah yeah absolutely and that's such a more yeah it's i'd say sometimes it's more of a gratifying feeling than it is just my work i'm like oh my god like we did as a team like that's so crazy everybody's little piece of cakes Mm. in this but it's like having that balance you know you can still do your own little projects you can do your team stuff you can have them both oh yeah absolutely man cool all right so we're coming up to the end of the podcast i want to do some matt diavella inspired quick questions but not exactly quick answers so few things for you so what would you be doing if you weren't doing what you're doing right now so if i wasn't doing photography and being creative yeah like anything creative yeah oh if you weren't gosh, doing yeah. that what would you i would do right probably now? still be teaching not gonna lie <laughs> i was uh, so i'm currently on a master's so my goal was to then eventually go and be a university full-time lecturer because i felt like I'd probably have more facilities there, more room to be a better creative there. Because obviously, like, the colleges mm. and uh, schools are very limited in budget. So, yeah. yeah. Um, that's probably what I'd be doing. But you know what? I'm still... I've deferred my master's to next April now because of the pandemic. So, it's on pause. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm going to go back to university next April and continue the rest of the master's. Um, and after that's done, I would love to just be a creative and also do some part-time lecturing still. That'd just, be sick, yeah. I mean... It would be an even better position if they, oh, well, I mean, the the university would be paying you. I know that, yeah. but you know how like people get like creatives get paid to come and do talks for a, a class of people. Yeah, or yeah, they do, they do. That's pretty sick, man. Okay, cool. Next question: What do you see yourself doing in ten years' time? Oh my god, I would love to like you know <laughs> like you're saying grow the business more into maybe. Uh, different avenues so it's not just me doing photography and videography it's me doing different things and that's why i've started the podcast just to try it out just to see where it goes but i I would love to have like my own little studio for photography and video work and i would love to i still this is something i tried to start and it's just been on the back bench because this takes a long time but i would love to have my own t-shirt brand streetwear brand oh yeah 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 it was i've got a lot of early concepts and designs and i've been working on it for months and months but it's just on the back bench because obviously i'm so busy and obviously because the current Mm. situation and climate it's so difficult to even (laughs) think about doing that sort of stuff yeah yeah like it's it's something i'm kind of in the back of my mind working on um and i would love to have that in the future just have like a clothing brand um, that'd be sick i mean you've worked with so many brands as well that i'm sure yeah. you've got lots of inspiration for what Definitely. what works what doesn't work what yeah, looks good yeah, hey yeah. i'd rep it man i'd wear it oh thank you so much bro <laughs> um and then last thing any general fashion photography and videography tips um definitely i'd say fashion photography it's so much more worth a client's time if you can give them something unique like your art style in your photography really try and craft something that's so different that no one else has that when they see your work they'll just have to say like you know yes this is what we want 
I'd say learn, learn, learn the craft of like, you know, taking a, an aesthetic picture because fashion photography is not just taking a picture against a white wall anymore. It used to be like that. A lot of the fashion mm. brands started to look the same. Like you look at the Culture Club and it was just like a squiggle on a thing and everybody in like was just copying it and all of the pictures yeah. just looked the same because that's what tr- that's what was trending so i'd say avoid trends try and really work with you know concepts try and work with you know building your craft and then sell it to the brand and same for videography you know be an otter study a lot of great people who make great things and try and make something out of it yourself build a show reel like you've done and mm. Don't be afraid to delve into uncharted territories because the best way to learn. Yeah, so like focus on your style and build a good body of work. Yeah, give... give Basically give. like the main things. Yeah, because obviously like, you know, we there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of debates about like, you know, sh- is idolizing one person's style and replicating it just a bottleneck to your creative abilities? Or are you just trying to mm. replicate like what's a trending formula in the hope that maybe you'll reap the same benefits and there and obviously you know you see this with people who try to replicate peter mckinnon or all these pictures of like you know uh, or videos sam calder. sam calder or you could even say like you know talking <laughs> about uh, video work the guy is it something shameful the guy who does all the cooking videos and does the camera flips and like the ch- chops you know what i'm saying oh um daniel sheffer yeah that's him that's him yeah yeah, yeah you know yeah, like yeah. you know they're all amazing creatives but take the yeah. style adapt it in your own little creative ways and find something new to sell to people because you know mm. you want to you want to be proud of when people say i know that someone's work because i can see their elements in it you know what i mean absolutely man yeah i think you know um especially like touching on like sam calder i remember i think it was either a video or maybe it was like a long instagram post but he's talking about like his own style and like people copying and how basically like it's okay to copy if you're trying to learn but like he's always wanted to be original so he's always trying to do something new that others aren't doing and like i for one i think copying people is totally fine for educational purposes yeah and maybe just being like oh hey like you know, if you put it online, you're like, look what I did. Like, it's inspired by this guy. Yeah, you do but I tried it on my own footage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then, yeah. like, if you're just... I remember, what was it, 2016, when Sam Calder released My Year 2016. And then everybody started doing the very, very overly saturated teal and orange look. That's still, still very popular on Instagram. Like, I, Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it works in some cases. But, like, I, I like teal and orange, but not too much that san, that san fran <laughs> look isn't it like miami look and and i think yeah the, the the american bloggers really popularized it because it just looks i don't know there is a, there's this video a video i watched on it about creatives where it's like psychologically you get this hit of dopamine when you see like certain colors and blue and orange on instagram are very very like you know uh, eye grabbing colors for yeah. attention and they hold your attention it's so true. a lot it's of true influencers use it a lot of fashion brands use it a lot of bloggers use it so many people use it and i don't blame them definitely it is very like good yeah. to look but some it's such a breath of fresh air when someone makes something that you just are like what and you and you're forced to kind of like try and break it apart yeah like something unique i think yeah like taking something someone's done and putting your own twist on it 
then makes it okay. like people are like oh he he kind of did something similar to this person but he made it his own and then you'll be known as the person who did it like that you know yeah, like the whole exactly. daniel schiffer thing the whole um him doing the hand motions and then transitioning by going under the table and shit like that you know yeah it's i love it when he does it right but i've seen i think over a hundred maybe 200 videos like that on instagram now of people just copying it and i guess because they want to try it out which is fine yeah but when you see a hundred videos of basically someone preparing a dish or someone making coffee and you're doing like the whole transition thing i'm just like this is dull it's so dull and the thing is that daniel schiffer it can be to someone like me and you who are very um i'd say desensitized to these kind of things because we're so yeah you know cine literate on like we know what good film is we know what good yeah. Uh, photography as we know what good you know things are but let's say you know to the bare average person who's using social media and they see for the first time they're like oh my god I think at that point it's yeah. also important to then have in the caption this is inspired by the original creator and it brings back to that original Absolutely. question but obviously like you know if you're working for brands if you're working for corporate people they won't do that because obviously like that's conflict <laughs> of interest so it yeah. begs the question, and this could be like a debate for like your next podcast or whoever you want, and it could be like, you know, <laughs> is is creativity really like at its bottleneck? You know, have we really actually maximized originality? And this is a big debate in music, you know, is music just a sample of a sample of a sample of a sample of a sample? And is photography and videography and art the same now? Like, you know, what is it? Like, yeah, is- you can argue, I mean, with, with films, um, every film is basically the same what is it between five and ten original stories just being told in different ways so i don't know uh what was that film Ooh, i can't remember what this film was called but it was a banging film and like the visual effects were insane but it was basically a romeo and juliet story it was uh, oh, right, right. it's like they're these tw- like these twin planets and they had yeah different laws or whatever so many and there's a guy on one planet and a girl yeah. on another yeah. yeah man like Romeo and T- Juliet has been told a thousand different ways so and I think the people ways, yeah. the people who do it well in films are those who will take that story but then throw another story on top to make it a bit more complex and so yeah. you don't even notice it's a Romeo and Juliet story you think it's something else and that yeah, is a it's good like way a, of doing it. Yeah, it's like, was it Baz Luhrmann who remade Romeo and Juliet into, like, uh, a modern-day gangster film with, like, Leonardo DiCaprio? <laughs> and it was just like, what the hell? Oh, this is sick. But no, you're, smart, you're, you're right, though. Like, yeah, 100%. So, I don't know. I think that's why I, there's so much pressure to be creative now, and it's a good thing because you only make yourself stand out more. And that's the biggest goal for for me as a creative is... How can I keep finding ways to just stand out? Because Manchester is now the second biggest creative hub. We're not just mm. a small fish in a big pond. We're with many different fishes and they're all very talented. And it's great that everyone is earning the bag now, but you've got to find ways to sustain yourself because it's just like we're mm. trying to grab people's attention, like people need to be also focusing their attention on us and making sure that we're keeping their attention as well yeah for sure and when there's so many new kids picking up a camera they could become the next peter mckinnon everything's on youtube man have you seen how many like 16 year olds and like are amazing (laughs) i follow like this uh, 16 year old in berlin and his photography is just mind-blowing i'm like oh my goodness like at 16 i was just just doing nothing like no, obviously that's that's because of the technology <laughs> and the demand 
yeah I, and obviously that's yeah. because the social media was barely there it's it obviously like you know being exactly. a bit hard on myself there but yeah like you've got so much room now and that could be like quite a disadvantage as well because you know these young kids who are hungry for i would say young kids it could be mm. anyone it could be like oh someone who's very you know enthusiastic about the the actual like graftum they could give a lot of competitive prices to someone else and be like you know stepping on your toes mm. and this so it's a very interesting time and a kind of like the adrenaline of it yeah yeah it, it definitely makes it more challenging and it makes you step up to the plate of like okay this is why i'm worth more than this kid who approached you with a camera but yeah i mean because those kids are like living with their parents they can be like i'll do it for 50 pounds and i'm just like what <laughs> and then they're but just the like... other side of it is i could just say to the company okay go with that kid who's charging you 50 pounds and when you don't like what he's made you can come back to the person who's been doing it for several years you know you kind of have to play that card sometimes yeah yeah not to be like of course, the, of course, i'm better yeah. than you thing but yeah. if you have more experience and you know what you're doing plus i think, I think it is definitely good to no stand matter, your ground no matter how young they are at the end of the day it's a risk taking you know uh someone who's so young and not had that chance yet that's why i say to people yeah. who are very new novices and young definitely try stepping your feet into smaller established companies and brands so you don't get so much pressure and then you can mm. build your portfolio to like these tackling those bigger 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 clients you know don't just rush to like missing six ladders and trying to go to the top and just be like right i want to earn this much now because you know oh I yeah yeah to. i've been there i made that mistake <laughs> mm. we all i think we all we all get to that point because we're just like we're, we're all on this journey and it's very easy to be influenced by social media looking left and right you should just try and stay in your lane focus mm. on like you know not winning the race like i said it's a marathon you know um, oh yeah for sure i'm you definitely trying to play the long game i am definitely definitely trying to play the long game honestly i'm taking my time with all this so i'm yeah. i'm i'm in no rush to earn hundreds of like pounds i would love to don't get me wrong i'd absolutely love to but i'm in no rush like honestly so I'm, I'm always like very critical of myself and like can i do that job is it worth my time am i going to give them something if not i'll be like hmm, probably not yeah that's smart man cool Right, thank you so much, Is So before Anytime, we end man. the show, could you let people know what you've got going on, where they can find you, what's happening? For sure, you can uh, follow me on Instagram at iz underscore hxn. I've also got a YouTube channel, izhxn. Um, and yeah, all my work is based around fashion and uh, fashion photography, streetwear. So if you're really interested in you know concepts and kind of learning how to get in there yourself is a great place to just get in touch with me. Um, what have I got going on? Absolutely nothing at the moment. Everything's been <laughs> everything's been postponed. I'm not purposely trying to take on jobs because I don't have a studio at home. I would love to. I just don't have the setup for it. So I've mm. postponed everything till summer. I mean, we're thinking maybe late May, early June. Um, yeah. I'm enjoying the downtime. I'm enjoying not worrying about deadlines. I have to get things in for not rushing projects and mm. I'm trying to do my best to learn things that I'm really weak at so yeah how's I, Doom Eternal going oh yeah and I'm playing video games oh my god Doom is amazing <laughs> uh, just bought Resident Evil 3 just bought Red Dead Redemption 2 so just oh bashing video games watching a lot of TV shows anime just chilling out man just trying to get that mental state and energy back down to like you know my chi levels just balanced again because 
I was such a busy bee man like you know yeah every single day I was going out I was going out I didn't have, I barely could have time for anyone and now I'm just like I'm trying to connect with as many people as I can now absolutely man me too like I'm trying to reach out to all my friends like hey you okay what's going on in your mm-hmm. life I'm so bored please talk yes <laughs> and it's good to do that because that's what's going to help you with networking and talking to people I think it's great yeah for sure man right thank you so much for coming on to my podcast dude Anytime, looking dude. forward to having you on in the future for sure yeah Anytime. best of luck with all your future endeavors and see you in the next one take it easy guys thank you guys so much for listening to today's podcast if you want to watch the full video version that will be available on my patreon so if you like supporting me on there feel free to check out the link in the description below thank you so much for listening and supporting my podcast see you guys in the next one